This podcast is produced by the ABA Journal. We bring you the latest legal news every day from around the web. Visit us online at abajournal.com. As the difficult economy intensifies pressure on lawyers and law firms to keep billings and collections up, more and more clients are finding it difficult to pay large legal fees in a timely manner. This combination is fueling an uptick in fee suits filed by lawyers looking to collect and boomerang malpractice claims filed in response by their clients. I'm Rachel Zahorsky of the ABA Journal, and today I'm joined by Brant Widener, a claims manager for the Lawyers Professional Liability Business at Beasley. Brant, what are some of the critical points for lawyers and law firms to evaluate when weighing the difficult decision of whether to sue a client for fees? If you file a fee suit against your client, you are very likely to get a malpractice counterclaim in response because if you think about it, just intuitively, uh, a client who receives a fee suit is going to hire a lawyer, assuming the, the amount at issue is big enough, is going to hire a lawyer, and that lawyer is going to start figuring out a way to defend against uh, the fee suit. And, and oftentimes, the best defense is a good offense, and that lawyer is going to start challenging your work and is going to start trying to determine whether or not what you did was satisfactory and within the standard of care and is going to try to poke holes in your your um, work product. And that's the beginning of, of the malpractice counterclaim. And and it's critical for a lawyer to uh, – well, it's critical for a firm that is considering whether to file a malpractice counterclaim to have a mechanism or some sort of process and procedure in place whereby – uh, somebody who hasn't done the work is the person that is undertaking the due diligence that every firm should do before they bring a malpractice counterclaim. And so it's you want to have an impassioned, or excuse me, an, uh, an impartial uh, individual analyzing the work, looking to see whether or not it was quality in nature, and looking to see whether or not there was there were inefficiencies, et cetera, because those are all the things that the the defending lawyer representing your client is going to be looking to poke holes in, in what, you, what you were doing. And so that's, um, that is the due diligence exercise that a firm absolutely has to do before it brings a, a, a malpractice, or excuse me, before it brings a fee suit, is something that has to happen in every instance. Otherwise, you're going to be asking for trouble. And if a lawyer does feel that their firm's work is beyond reproach, that it can withstand the threat of a counterclaim, um, are there other factors that should be should be considered when even weighing whether or not filing a fee suit is the best course of action? I know that in your Q&A you did with the Beasley, you mentioned media glare, the amount of gain that's on the table, proving the fees owed whether or not it includes outside counsel that may have been brought in, experts or any sort of outsourced work, um, and any sort of work that's not accounted for that may have been above and beyond the original bill to mm-hmm. give to the client. Right. Well, I mean, every, each each of those issues are part of the analysis, and and I mean, it's all part of the due diligence. And I guess the first, I think the first point you want to keep in mind is that filing a suit for fees is a, absolutely a major decision. And, and again, it's something that somebody else other than the billing lawyer ought to be doing. But there are there are aspects and factors that ought to be part of the due diligence um, analysis in every case. And, and, you know, first off, you want to look at what the particular limitations 
uh, statute of limitations are that, that bear on it, because in some states, uh, the limitation period for fee claims is actually longer than that for a professional malpractice lawsuit. So to the extent that you can wait um, until the malpractice statute of limitations has run, you may be putting yourself uh, in a better position. So that's that's one point. That's the, the kind of looking at the whether time is on your side and considering the statute of limitations that, that may bear on the situation. And that, you know, secondly, you you absolutely want to look at your work and you want to have and the person looking at your work again ought to be somebody that is not the individual partner who had did the work. The individual partner who did the work is inherently biased in this process. And so it ought to be somebody that's uh can look at it from from a you know sort of a sixty thousand foot level from a from an impartial, dispassionate approach and, and, and actually make a make a considered judgment as to whether that work was was adequate and whether it was done properly, efficiently, and within the standard of care. Because if it wasn't, then you can expect that somebody else is going to be doing that analysis and somebody else is going to be poking holes in it. And you may well regret having kicked the sleeping dog by bringing that fee suit. Um, and, and you mentioned the, the point about proving what you were owed, whether what you really gain. I mean, you need to make sure that when you bring your fee suit, you have the particular requisites in place and you can meet your burden of proof. I mean, is there a, is there a written fee agreement somewhere that, that will support the arguments that you're trying to make? Ab, you know, absent a, a written contract, you may be, um, you know, uh, moving uh, against a tough, a tough hurdle to, to try to bring a claim. And so hopefully you, there's a written fee agreement in place that, that's, that uh, bears on the question. Uh, you know, in addition to that, it's, it's, you, you need to, you need to analyze what you think you're going to get out of this because you are picking a fight by doing this, and, and you don't want to pick a fight that's going to boomerang back to you with something that you really wish you hadn't, hadn't pursued. So, for example, if your client um, can't pay you, if they, you know, he's, he, in the first instance, any fee suit is going to be predicated on the fact that the client hasn't been paying, and so you need to analyze whether and give thought to whether or not your client can pay at all because if he can't pay at all then what's the point of bringing the fee suit because you're not going to recover anything and you may just be buying yourself a malpractice counterclaim in response that then you'll be battling with with no real upside um, and oftentimes the fee suit that you know, uh, precedes the malpractice counterclaim is often uh, of less value than the value of the counterclaim that you buy by bringing the fee suit. And given uh, so, the likelihood of, of a counterclaim, we've already established that that's mostly the result that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I would imagine that that would sever any ties with a client, which would be extremely difficult if it was a long-standing client that prior to this you had had a good relationship with. What are some things that lawyers can do to prevent themselves from even having to consider this situation? How could we stop bills from getting too out of control, relationships with clients getting to the point where they're so contentious that a lawsuit seems to be the only answer to addressing the unpaid amount? Well, and what we've been talking about before uh, just now is, is you know, sort of after things have gone awry, and, and, and you're absolutely right that, if you can avoid the situation altogether, if you can prevent the predicament, um, uh, the, you are be you are better served. And and there are a variety of ways that we found that 
um, are proactive approaches that a lawyer or a law firm can take to avoiding the problem altogether. And, and um, the, the couple that I wanted to talk about here, importance of client intake. I mean, you want to make sure that the clients that you are um, working for and dealing with are, in fact, clients that are able to pay you, that are contemplating the fact that they will have legal bills to to um, to deal with and have budgets in place to accommodate those legal bills. And so client, there's a client intake aspect to this at the very outset of the attorney-client relationship that that down the line may well put you in good stead in avoiding a, a avoiding a situation where you're even looking at a fee a fee suit. Um, communication is probably point two. I mean, you don't billing surprises and and bills that are not um, um, communicated adequately and, and the level of work that's being undertaken by the lawyer that's not being communicated adequately to the client. Um, only precipitate problems, and so to the extent that you can communicate and let the client know what you're doing, let the client know what type of bills are being generated, and it ought to be done in writing so that there's a there's a paper trail in place to avoid disagreements and misunderstandings down the line. Um, lastly, I think proactivity and proactively managing your accounts receivable is, is critical because if you are waiting until a, a bill gets so large that you have to bring a fee suit or even contemplate bringing a fee suit, you're probably, you're probably too late and, and you haven't um, been active, active in, in your ability to, pro, uh, to manage your accounts receivable. And so if, if you take steps to do that, and smart firms do that, they, smart firms have individuals who take that out of the billing partner's hands and do it themselves. So that they, you know, they know that that it's their job on an ongoing basis to make sure that the accounts receivable don't get too um, too late and too far down the line before a firm recognizes that they have an issue with a client and simply takes steps to withdraw or or get out of the engagement or try to transition themselves out of it before before that bill gets too big. Because once the once the bill gets too big, then you're in a situation where you're going to have to make a tough decision because it's too big a bill to simply write off. And if it gets to the point where you realize that your client is no longer going to be able to afford a bill, um, yet you worry about prejudicing their case should you walk away, mm. what are some factors or how should a lawyer approach a situation where they, they think that they may have to walk away from a case um, because the outstanding fee is escalating to a point where they know they'll never be able to collect? Well, that's that's the that's the problem with, that that lawyers find themselves in sometimes is that when you, if you're in a litigation matter, for example, that's heading to trial, um, the court may not let you withdraw. And so, again, that that just uh, reiterates, I think, and bolsters the point that it's that you need to be on top of your billings and on top of the situations with your clients and making sure that you're keeping track of their financial wherewithal and what they are expecting and what you're you know how that squares with what you're doing because if you can find yourself in firms this happens a, a, you know a fair amount we see claims arising out of situations where firms simply got too far down the path with a, with a client with too big of a bill and too close to a trial date um and and were not able to withdraw or were not able to uh transition the client elsewhere without the client being able to rationally argue that that, that its rights and its uh, its claim has been prejudiced by the lawyer's 
decision to try to get out of the engagement. And so, you know, the sooner the better, I think, is is what the what the mantra ought to be in connection with um, with that type of a situation. So it's critical that the lawyer keep on top of what's going on and keep and make sure they keep track of what their what their uh, what the situation is with their clients. And one final question: Do you think we're going to continue to see more of these types of suits? Have things settled down from your end as the economy has started to improve? What can lawyers expect in the future, in the coming months, in the coming year, as far as the the, the likelihood of something like this happening and how well they should be prepared and be thinking about these things, although it's not something that normally I would imagine is on the top of their mind as they're working on a case for a client? Well, I th- you know, during the economic downturn, we did see a significant uptick in this type of uh, of fee suits and, and, and malpractice counterclaims. And that, I think, was a, a result of the situation that it was kind of a perfect storm. Clients were struggling uh, and law firms were struggling to bring in bring in billings. And so we, that was a, a sort of a unique situation. We have, there has been a, a, a reduction in the number of those types of claims that we are seeing. However, uh, frankly, I don't believe, I, I don't think that the the risk of a malpractice counterclaim if a firm finds itself in a situation of suing a client is ever really going to go away because any firm or any client that's sued is likely to hire a lawyer and that lawyer is going to be looking at um at that firm's work and 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 trying to uh identify a a counter or a, def- a defensive mechanism to a fee suit and then that will take the form of a malpractice counterclaim so i don't i don't expect it to it may it, the, the the amount uh, the number of these types of, of circumstances may uh, wane somewhat but i don't think the uh, the risk of a malpractice counterclaim in the event of a fee suit is likely to go away thank you brant for joining us and sharing your insights this is all the time we have for today's discussion but I encourage our listeners to post their reactions to today's talk on abajournal.com. This podcast was brought to you by the ABA Journal. For more podcasts on the legal issues of the day, visit us online at abajournal.com or subscribe for free to the ABA Journal podcast on iTunes.